Nahum chapter 1. Nahum chapter 1. Verse 6 to verse 9. Nahum chapter 1. If you have a physical Bible, that may take you a moment to find it. <laughs> For all of you that on your smart device, just type in N-A-H-U-M. Nahum chapter 1, verse 6 to verse 9. I'm asking you to stand for the reverence of God's word. This is the last time I'll ask you to stand before we dismiss. Nahum chapter 1, verse 6 to verse 9. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury and is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust him. But with an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof. And darkness shall pursue his enemies. Last verse. What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up. The second time. Share this with your neighbor. You can be sit down. Tell them you will never have to face this again. Let me see the of the lack of Bible study and Bible reading in our present day church culture finding this book would be very complicated for a lot of us Nahum it's not Isaiah it's not, it's not Jeremiah it's Nahum Nahum is, has fallen among a group of books in what we call the Tanakh, the books of the prophets, and it is labeled as a minor prophet. Oftentimes, the label minor could be misleading. Minor. It's not minor because of its message. It's only minor because of its size. But I want you to know there are some major messages in minor places. It don't have to be big to be powerful. Hallelujah. I want to declare to you today, here in the book of Nahum, uh, there is much debate and discussion concerning uh, his background. Scripture tells us that he's an Elkoshite. And if you try to uh, go to Travelocity uh, to book a flight or get a resort at El Kashite, it'll be hard for you to find him. It's an ancient uh, community that no longer lives or exists under that label. But many people believe that it was in the region of the Galilee. One reason why there's a town in the days of Jesus called Capernaum. 
And the word Capernaum makes a reference to it's, it's the home or the abode of Nahum. Nahum. I haven't heard anybody name their son that lately. Nahum. But Nahum's name is a derivative of the name Nehemiah. I'm almost finished for real. <laughs> Nahum, almost a short version of Nehemiah. What's important about that is the word Nehemiah means comforter. We know him as a builder, so we would think his name would mean builder, strong man, but it just means comforter. But if you don't have an understanding of the word comforter, you would think that's a soft or weak definition. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, I will not leave you comfortless, but I'll send the Holy Ghost. The paraclete, the one that comes alongside, the Holy Ghost is a comforter. Oh my God. I, I, maybe because of our Pentecostal charismatic expression, we've made Holy Ghost just come through motions. We have minimized the Holy Ghost to glossolia xenoglossia, or what we call speaking in tongues. Maybe we've limited the Holy Ghost to the shifting of our feet and the clapping of our hands. Oh, but I thank God that the Holy Ghost is a comforter. Maybe that ain't important for some of y'all to celebrate, but when I look back over the last two years, there was some fragile moments that I had to endure. My, come on, y'all, talk to me here. There's some moments where my mind was slipping. There were moments where my heart was under pressure and I thought I was going to crush under the anxiety of the assignment. But the only reason why your sanity survived is because the Holy Ghost was a comforter. Ah, my God. The only reason why you were able to endure the grief that you went through when you suffered the loss that made you feel like you could not get out of the bed tell your neighbor the Holy Ghost is a comforter I need you to look at somebody and I want you to tell them I thank God for the Holy Ghost no I want somebody to open up your mouth and clap your hands because the Holy Ghost kept you when you couldn't keep yourself the Holy Ghost kept you sane when you felt like you were losing it I said clap your hands and praise him because he is a comforter because just like Nehemiah, Nahum has an assignment that can make him feel isolated and alone. See, we have romanticized callings and giftings. Everybody want one, but not the one they got. Y'all talk to me in here. Social media has kept us connected, but it also has made us depressed. Because many of us were good. We were grateful and we were thankful until we got an eye into somebody else's profile. We didn't really get an eye into their life. We got an eye into their profile. 
Now, it wasn't their life you saw on their timeline. It was their, y'all hear me, hear what I'm saying. It was their profile. And many of us are trying to compete our lives with somebody's profile. All they did was talk about God bless me with a new job. But they didn't tell you how many rejection letters they got before they got the job. All they tell you is about the vacation they own. But they don't tell you how many years they went before they had one. We want people's calling, but we don't know their cost. I need you to tell your neighbor, tell them I paid for this. And tell them, and I'm still making payments. I'm still making payments. Don't be jealous of something you don't know what somebody paid for. who meets the Holy Ghost because the journey is lonely no the journey is lonely it really is that's why you need the, the comforter because what happens when the masses have exited or what happens when you're in the company of the masses huh. but there's no camaraderie in other words, you can be in a crowd of people and still feel by yourself because everyone doesn't have your assignment. Stop taking advice from people who've never done what you're doing. Stop being blocked in with the advice of people that are not going where you're going and don't want to go. You know, it is it's very complicated. Uh, when I drive because it's probably why they don't let me drive now but if I'm in a lane my mind once I stop my mind starts moving I'm making plans in my head and sometimes if you're in a lane and there's somebody in the turning lane beside you in your peripheral when they move you automatically think you have permission to move but their light is different than your light Hell yeah. I live in hotels and this, this happens to me often that I will be in an elevator with other people. I'm almost finished. And when they get off the elevator, don't y'all laugh at me, but I make the mistake of getting off just because they got off. Hallelujah. And that's a challenge because some of us are always ready to move when other people move. But God's saying you can't move when they move because you're going on a higher floor. And being in a higher floor means there's times you got to stand still when you want to run. That means there are moments you got to stand in it when you want to resign. There are moments you got to serve faithful when you want to abandon the spot. Uh, tell your neighbor everyone is not going where you're going. Does it mean, doesn't mean that the devil it means everybody don't have the same capacity hey what God is calling you to do and so Naomi needs the confidant and, and this is why and I want to say this to our church I know we, are, we we do teach dispensationalism that God deals with his people in different ways in different dispensations and although we are Pentecostal and people would label us probably apostolic I want to be clear with you that I don't believe that the Holy Ghost only showed up on the day of Pentecost yeah, I mean, don't y'all fight me but some people said the Holy Ghost didn't come until the day of Pentecost I have a challenge with that 
Because in Genesis, the Bible says, where there was chaos, the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. I have a problem saying that the Holy Ghost didn't show up until the day of Pentecost because the Bible says once God had given Zerubbabel the assignment to rebuild the temple from its ruins Zerubbabel says how will this happen all I have is a measuring stick or a plummet in my hand and the scripture says Zechariah 4 and 6 is not by might nor by power but by my, oh, by my spirit you can't tell me that the Holy Ghost didn't show up into Jerusalem AD 33 because I'm trying to find out how in the world did Elijah outrun Jezebel with men on horseback and he outran them on his feet the power of the Holy Ghost came upon I just said all that to say this the Holy Ghost was with some of us before we recognized it wasn't when you got to church it was the Holy Ghost that was keeping you when you were high off a of weed God it was the Holy Ghost that was keeping you while some of us were drunk and don't know how we got home Tell your neighbor the Holy Ghost has been with me the whole time. I didn't always obey. I didn't always yield. Oh, but there was something that was keeping me. It was something that kept me in the road. It was something that would not let me go so far. Tell your neighbor I went far, but I didn't go too far. Come on. That even in my sin, I had a standard because of the Holy Ghost. Testify to somebody, tell them I had a standard in my sin. Oh. So you won't, you won't give Nahum too much credit. He wasn't a messianic prophet. We don't call him eagle eye as we do Isaiah. We don't even label him weeping as we do Jeremiah we don't call him master prophet as we do Elijah oh but Nahum he's a symbol of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost don't just make you shout sometimes the Holy Ghost will make you cry uh, y'all don't have that kind of Holy Ghost Sometimes the Holy Ghost will chastise you and the Holy Ghost will correct you. Anybody here other than me, the Holy Ghost made you go and apologize to somebody that you really feel should be apologizing to you. You don't really have the Holy Ghost until you heard the Holy Ghost say, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut, go in here and don't say nothing. Shut up. I'm telling you. The Holy Ghost will put a heaviness on you where you can't sleep until you get it right. See, I don't understand people. Now, all of us, all of us got flesh on us. I don't listen. Did you hear me? All of us got from the people who are sitting on this platform to the people said all of us got flesh on us. We have a treasure. We really do. We are prophets. We evangelists and pastors. We have this treasure. But the complicated thing about our treasure is that it's in an earthen vessel. And God did it on purpose that the excellency would be of God and not of us. We, we ain't none but some dressed up flesh in here. And so if God don't keep us, we won't be kept. 
But I got an issue with people who say they love God, but they never repent. My God. This grace, this hyper grace teaching has begun to tell us because what Christ did, there's no necessity of repentance. But I want you to know repentance is not just under the old covenant because in the apocalyptic book of the book of Revelation, I hope I'm not talking too much. In the apocalyptic book of the book of Revelation, when God tells John, write to the seven churches of Asia Minor. One of the strongest words he says to the church of Asia Minor under the new covenant, he says, repent quickly. See, our issue is we used to repent quickly. Then we start repenting slowly. Now we just stop repenting at all. We used to pray before we played. We used to pray before we sing. We used to pray before. We used to say, Lord, forgive me for anything I did wrong, knowingly or unknowingly. Commission or omission. And that's why Ichabod has been written across the walls of a whole bunch of churches. Because a whole lot of people, hallelujah, want to serve but they don't want to repent. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, don't ever get above repenting. Don't ever get above a saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Don't ever get above it. This is the challenge. I'm sorry, I went a little further than what I expected. This is the challenge that Nahum is addressing. Nahum is addressing. This is what he's addressing. He's addressing arrogance. See, we made an error sometime of preaching that the God of the Old Testament is vengeful and judgmental and the God of the New Testament is merciful. Same God. No, no, Bishop. It can't be the same God. It can't be the same God. Because look how God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah in one day. No, the destruction was one day. But he negotiated with Abraham back and forth. Well, look how he sent the flood and destroyed everything. Yes, yes, yes. But how many years did Noah build and preach? Same God. He's always been merciful. But now we're dealing with something where people are wrong and strong. Uh-oh. Let me get out of here. I know this ain't an I didn't know I had to preach it. I don't have an anniversary message. This is the only message I have. There used to be a time that if we were wrong, we would be quiet. If we were in sin, we would be silent. But now people are bold. There's a bold demon that have rose up in our culture. There's a bold demon have raised up in our churches where you would do your dirt and post it and dare anybody to say anything about it. The book of Nahum is addressing arrogance. Now I'm going, I'm going to tell you right now. I may have done what some other people did. But tell your neighbor, I felt different about it. Come on, oh no, I did some stuff. Come on, tell somebody. Y'all, everybody get free in here. Come on, tell them. Tell them, I did some stuff. Come on, tell them, I did some stuff I don't want to talk about. I done did some stuff I don't want to remember. And I hope don't nobody else remember. There's some people that if I see them, I'm going to look straight and act like I forgot. Have you ever went past something that you wanted at one time? You got it. Now you said, what in the world was I thinking? I was broken. I was broken. 
I ain't testifying. So what happens is Nahum has to address the fact. In chapter one, he talks about God's power and God's strength. How mighty God is. And sometimes when we read the Psalms, we think the Psalms is just beautiful poetry. Mag, oh, magnify the Lord with you. No, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All that, and all that stuff is beautiful. But if you just put your finger on a song, you may get into a little other different language. When the Bible says, how terrible is our God? Same God. That means I would rather be on the right side of God than the wrong side of God. When you look at the book of Nahum, his language is prophetic. I believe all prophecy oftentimes has a dual fulfillment. And I want to give you just some uh, examples of what I say when I say dual fulfillment. Because anytime God says something, something has to happen. But anytime a voice is released, there's also an echo. So if his if word goes out and you heard it, that's one fulfillment. But even his echo has to be fulfilled. Because he says, my word will go out. And when it go out, it cannot return void. So even if you didn't hear the word, but you heard the echo, that echo got to produce something. Oh, my God. Hear me, hear me. When I said dual fulfillment, dual fulfillment, the Bible talks about the advent of Christ. But we know that that's not only one advent, it's a second advent of Christ. Christ in his immaculate conception through Mary. But then there's a return of Christ, right? Yes, Joel talks about he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And we see that on the day of Pentecost. But then there's a prophecy that says the reign of the latter house would be greater than the former. And we believe we saw that. In 1906, in our modern-day Pentecostal movement, when William Seymour, hallelujah, and the Azusa Street movement, when there had been a dark season and no sound, and all of a sudden the impact then of the Holy Ghost took place again, and now it's all over the world. Do a fulfillment. And even as you look in Nahum chapter 2, he's prophesying about a judgment that would happen in Nineveh. But also, if you look in Nahum chapter 2, he says, I see something. The chariots will be racing in the street, in the broadways, and they will seem as lightning. I believe that what Nahum saw, he saw more than the battle, but he saw the vehicles in the road. My God. Why would they, the Bible says, this, he said, these chariots have torches. Why would the chariots have torches? Because they would have headlights. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying to me. I, my whole point in saying this, if, if you would consider it, uh, that if God says something once, twice you'll hear it. Uh, <laughs> I said, God has spoken once, but twice have I heard it. Power still belongs to God. So my whole point is introducing Nahum's vastness and the massness of his message in a minor text. And he's talking to the arrogance of nations who thought they would trump over his people. The Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians and ultimately the Romans. My heart has been heavy this week as I've been praying and interceding for our church members and 
Falasabad, Pakistan. Many of you all know that we have a school there in Pakistan. And because of their erroneous blasphemy laws, someone made an allegation that one Christian man says something evil against the Quran and it gave the mob permission to start burning down homes of Christians, tearing down crosses off of the churches, ransacking the church's books and Bibles and burning them, even going to the cemetery and desecrating the graves of believers. Yes, I'm thankful that God covered our school, which was only a half a mile away. But at the same time, I can't shake the fact that these evil people did this against defenseless believers. But everybody got a day. That's what Nahum says. Nahum says, don't you know that the God we serve will defend his people? I need you to tell your neighbor, you don't have to fight for yourself. The Lord will fight for you. Whatever has been trumping over you, whatever's been treading over you, whatever's been plaguing you, whatever's been terrorizing you, some of you have been dealing with suicidal ideations as long as you can remember. Many of you have had to battle depression as long as you remember. You do good for a while and then depression comes on you again. You shout and you praise God, but then you go home and anxiety sits on your chest and you begin to think the worst case scenario on every circumstance and every situation. The telephone ringing at night can tear your nerves up. I'm talking to some people who are dealing with PTSD. You're dealing with trauma. The trauma is over but it's still affecting you. Somebody who dealt with molestation. Somebody who was abused and raped. I need you to tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, it won't be like this always. God is a defense to his people there are some of you have settled in the fact that where you are is how it will always be but I come to tell you something about Satan that you didn't know Satan is a liar my God, he's an intimidator. He's a manipulator. The Bible says he's as a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He's a, he has the sound, but he don't have the teeth. The Bible says the enemy will come against you one way, but it will have to flee seven ways. I need you to just run over to three people in your in your row and tell them, said three people, God is going to fight for you. We used to say, hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battle. You'll never come out clean fighting in the mud with other people. Some of you, your hardest assignment will be to stand still in that room. I need you to push your neighbor and tell your neighbor, no more quitting, no more running. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I need you to lay your hands on your neighbor's shoulder and say, oh neighbor, said, oh neighbor, God will fight for you. He didn't say that the weapon would not form. He said, but even after the weapon is formed, it will not prosper. I heard David testify and he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who, whom shall I fear? The Lord 
is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When, 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 when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, help me, come on, came upon me to eat up my flesh. God made it fail. They stumbled and fail. Get out of your seat and run to somebody. Tell them he'll fight for you. I'm a witness. He'll fight for you. I'm a witness. They sat around and discussed you. And in the midst of their rumors, God promoted you. In the midst of their lies, God expanded you. Tell somebody he'll fight for you. This message is not for everybody, but this message is for a remnant of you who have to deal with some things longer than you anticipated. But Apostle Paul declared, after you've suffered a while, God said, I'll establish you. I need you to tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, your suffering is almost over. Because he said, if you suffer with me, you'll reign with me. If you go through, I'll bring you out. And you won't come out empty-handed. He said, I'll fix it. When you go through the water, and you won't drown. You go through the fire, and you won't be burned. Here in the text, Nehemiah says, need to address your affliction. I need you to tell somebody God is addressing my affliction. Everybody, everybody has to deal with affliction. Afflictions in your body. Afflictions in your mind. But I got good news. I got good news to everybody that's had to deal with affliction. The good news is many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord, I need you to tell your neighbor, he will deliver. No, y'all didn't say it right. Come on, grab somebody and say he will deliver. It's almost over. He said, what can you imagine against God? He says, I'll bring it to an end. That's what he said. And he says, when I bring you out of this, your affliction shall not rise up the second time. And as I finish this night, I want to leave this message with you. To everybody that will receive it, I want you to respond in praise. You will never have to deal with this ever again. You will never have to face this again. Get out of your seat and find one of your friends and say, hey, hey, friend. You'll never have to face it again. You passed the test. You took the course. And the Egyptians, you see today, you will see no more forever. Run and find one more person on the balcony. Go tell somebody. Tell them you will never have to deal with it again. 
you will never have to face it again. Pharaoh's army. Pharaoh's army got drowned in the Red Sea. He's shutting doors behind you because some of you, God can't trust you to shut the door. Prophesy to somebody. Tell him he's shutting doors behind you. He's forcing you into your future. I said he's forcing you. I got good news for you. It won't be long from now. Don't tell your neighbor, tell yourself, tell your neighbor, I'll never have to face that again. You trick me once, you won't trick me again. I'll never face it. I'm not telling you I won't have no problems. But count it all joy when you fall into diverse. Oh, I'm on another level now. I'm in a different place. Look at somebody tell them, I'm in a different place. And I'm proud of me. Some of you 
the hardest thing you've had to do in this last season is to remain consistent in the midst of your complicated in the midst of your contradiction some of you have to fight to stay consistent Some of us started entertaining other options. But I declare to you, the word of the Lord from the prophet Nahum says the affliction, question on the floor, you got to help me. That the affliction that you've had to carry for a long time, it's about to expire in a short time. understand what I mean contradiction some of us are so strong and yet so weak all at the same time don't y'all look at me like that don't leave me out here by myself some of us can counsel everybody else we got advice for everybody else but when people ask us what we're gonna do next we are scratching our head because to be honest, I have no idea. God uses you greatly to heal other people. But if you be honest, there's a contradiction in you healing other people. Because you are a wounded healer. You are everybody else's encourager. Why you battle your own insecurities. But the Lord says, tell them. Hallelujah. He's bringing an end, hallelujah, to the contradiction. Hallelujah. He says, tell them tonight what they've had to face for a long time. After this season, they'll never have to face it. I need somebody to know in this room, tell your neighbor, you passed. You might not have got an A. You may not have got a B. But a C is still passing. Some of you, it was your participation grade that turned it. Just for showing up. When it was hard to show up, you kept showing up. Hey, when you wanted to quit, you kept showing up. All right. So this, I said all that to say this. I said everybody don't have the capacity for you. Everybody, huh, everybody don't have the capacity to handle your complications. But I want you to find somebody who loves you enough. And I want you to tell them, tell them I'm not intimidated by all that you are. Tell them I don't see your problem, I see your promise. Oh, come on, tell them you got some funny ways, but you still anointed. Why am I saying this? This is why I'm saying this. Because the Lord says, Tell them I'm bringing an end to a season. And there's some things that they'll never have to face again. 
And I know what some of y'all saying. Oh, when the, when the new year come in, January the 1st, everything going to change for me. That's for them. But for us, we got a prophetic advantage. Our new year is Rosh Hashanah. It comes in September the 15th. That means not many days from now. In less than 30 days, everything is about to change. In less than 30 days, something is about to shift. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I pray today's message has been a blessing to you and that you've been expanded and increased and you've been given the desire to walk even closer to God. If you've really been blessed by today's message, I want you to consider partnering with me that I can continue to get out quality content, inspirational, motivational, and gospel messages because we know it's through the foolishness of preaching that souls are saved. When you partner with us, you're helping us spread the word of God, not just domestically, but internationally, all over the world. And so remember today as you sow, that even though the money or the gift may leave your hand, it will never leave your life because you're partnering with something that's greater than you. We want to hear from you. You've been blessed by our ministry. We'd like to get your messages. Send us an email. Uh, follow us on social media. And take this opportunity to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Remember, I know what it feels like to cry till you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up 